Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! You know, Hammer, it's, it's actually kind of hard to believe it's been this long, six years um, since the Delphi murders. I mean, you think back, uh, days go by without a word on a suspect. Days turn into weeks. Weeks turn into months. Months turn into years. Uh, police release two completely different composite sketches of what the what this monster might look like. They investigators call calling vague press conferences every once in a while. Don't you know? Not offering up a lot of uh, information over the years. But finally, you know, here here we are six years later. There is a suspect that's been charged with the killings. Um, you know, prosecutors say they have evidence tying him to the bodies. And it still looks like we're not going to learn anything for a long, long time. Bail hearings keep getting pushed back. Trial dates keep getting pushed back. Uh, so uh, hopefully they have the right guy. The the unspent shell casing that they traced back to his gun was found near their bodies. And, uh, and, and hopefully we have the right guy. But man, like I mentioned a second ago, it's not going to get... Um, resolved anytime soon the court hearing that was scheduled for tomorrow has been postponed now richard allen the suspect in the delphi killings was scheduled to physically be in court tomorrow that's not going to happen that was the bail hearing right right uh the hearing had been set for 10 now according to the court records the parties will instead meet remotely at 1 30 p.m tomorrow to discuss future dates now i know a lot of people want this trial to get going like we all do but i'm kind of good with this because it sounds like all parties involved here the defense the prosecution even the judges realize the magnitude of this case and all of the evidence right all of the things that are being brought to this trial you have to give the defense time to look over that so if you're going to do this do it right the last thing anybody wants is this trial to start it's some sort of quick hastily thrown together thing and there's a technicality yeah. yeah i mean and they're bringing in jurors from was it allen county yes and that's going to be a huge arduous uh process even just in terms of pure logistics and there's been some things that have happened over the past few months with this case with the with the local carroll county judge uh stepping down recusing himself saying this is a little overwhelming and uh, the suspect being in jail for as long as he was in the very beginning without a lawyer and uh, now now you you have these defense attorneys saying no there's not enough evidence to keep him in jail we need to bail him out you know he needs bail but now they're saying they want to push back the bail hearing and to review more evidence which i find curious allen's attorneys asked the special judge fran gull for a delay in a motion that was filed on February 7th, stating that they need additional time to review the large amount of evidence turned over by the state. And the Carroll County prosecutor, Nick McLeland, filed a motion on Monday saying that the state did not object to that. So it sounds like the prosecution and the defense 
for whatever this is worth, they're kind of working together to make sure all of the you know I's are dotted, T's are crossed before we really get into the meat and potatoes of this trial. And this is going to be a national trial. Make no mistake. This is something that's happening in Indiana, northern Indiana. But you're going to have a large national spotlight on this trial. So you want to make sure everything's right. Would you be okay with a judge um, banning cameras from the courtroom and just having, you know, like a sketch artist like they do? I don't think that really should make a difference, honestly. If the judge wanted to, I'd be okay with it. I just don't it. want it to turn into some, you know, some sensationalistic thing. Right. By having cameras in the courtroom. I don't think I, Judge Fran Gull is Judge Ito. I don't think that's going to be the case here with this one. Right, right. So I'd yeah, be okay with it yeah. either way, to be honest with you. Uh, we got some more legal stuff here. Last night, IMPD Chief Randall Taylor uh, he was brought in to speak with the uh, City County Council's Public Safety and Criminal Justice Committee because there are some committee members that are wondering, why does it take so long for the body cam videos of some IMPD officers to be released to the public? And Chief Randall Taylor addressed that last night. IMPD must strike uh, the balance between preserving the integrity of the investigation and potential criminal prosecutions and our desire to be as transparent as possible with the community. There are considerations regarding the privacy interest of those depicted in the body-worn camera video. Many times this will include victims and or witnesses who have called the police for assistance. Does this have to do with the... the the dude that was in his grandma's driveway Correct. on New Year's Day. That's one they example. They released the body cam footage, but not all of it. Right. And the reason that all of it wasn't released, and you heard the Taylor, the Chief Taylor right there say, that sometimes there are innocent folks in these videos that don't want their images put out there to the public, basically. People that call the police department. Maybe they don't want somebody to know they called the police department. Maybe a witness on scene that the police are personally talking to minutes after the incident happened. Right. Uh, Chief Taylor last night said that the IMPD must consider whether releasing body camera footage from a certain incident would also jeopardize the integrity of the investigation. The department must also protect the constitutional rights of the people in the videos who may face charges, and they also have to consider how releasing a video too quickly could taint a jury pool in a potential trial. Now, that's not something that I had uh, thought about. Uh, Here's a little bit more from the chief last night, and I thought this was interesting. You could kind of tell he was a little frustrated being there in the first place. Uh, The chief says he always tries to get videos out 30 days or less, He says he's doing his job, but if these people want videos faster, it's their job to pass an ordinance and legislation. This is in y'all's lane, to to be quite frank. Uh, uh, You have the ability to have a city ordinance uh, uh, that would dictate how quickly those come out. Now, what I took from that was this is the chief going, you guys brought me in here. I'm doing my job. I've got 30 days to get a video out. I'm doing that. And you're wondering why it's not faster? If you want it faster, change the law. Change the ordinance. Yeah, and the whole aspect, again, going back to witnesses who might be on 
uh, the body cam footage that don't want to be identified. I mean, that's a real problem with the crime in this city. That's another huge problem IMPD is having is getting witnesses to cooperate and testify, knowing that some of these guys that go to jail. Now, that's not what happened in this case with um, with the guy that w- was asleep in his grandma's driveway and, the, and he had a gun in his lap. That's not the case. But some of these other incidents where, you know, police show up right after a shooting and they're talking to witnesses that were there may have seen it. They don't want to be on camera, and some sometimes they know this guy's going to get back out on the streets because they know the the way the prosecutor's office works in this city, and they don't want to testify. And that's that happened in huge- Lawrence. That was the Lawrence situation. Remember, there was a couple lunatics, like this modern-day Bonnie and Clyde, that were shooting into their neighbor's house, and the neighbors called the cops, and those folks got you know a slap on the wrist a GPS monitoring device, and guess what happened? They went back to the house and started making problems for the neighbor again. Like, that's the textbook definition of why people are having a hard time working with the police department at this point. But I'm not mad at the chief at all. Like, here's a night that he's got to spend going downtown, talking to a group of people, for the most part, not everybody, but for the most part, who have voted to strip down his authority and give it to, like, a civilian board, and they're questioning him when he's doing everything right. Like, if you want the video in less than 30 days, pass an ordinance, tell your civilian board or whoever's running the show here, that's what you're looking for. But after he was done speaking, they spoke to a number of the folks there, including Councillor Leroy Robinson. He's the chair of the committee and said that uh, they've got no plans on changing anything. So you just wasted his time, basically. You brought him down there to finger wag at him and waste his time. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIPC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer writes over there. So Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman, who uh, suffered a stroke before his campaign to run for office, um, one was elected senator of Pennsylvania. He, his opponent, Dr. Oz, not a very good candidate. I didn't think either one of them were very good candidates. I don't like Fetterman's policies at all. Um, it seemed like Fetterman had uh, trouble understanding and comprehending uh, people that were talking to him on the campaign during debates, during interviews. You know, as a result of the stroke, things he would say wouldn't make sense. Now, later, uh, the, even the New York Times is saying he didn't get the rest that he needed to fully recover from that stroke, and he may never recover. He was just in the hospital last week for uh, being lightheaded. And that's when that New York Times article came out. Now we have a news that uh, John Fetterman, Senator Fetterman, checked himself into Walter Reed to receive treatment for clinical depression. Quote, while John has experienced depression off and on throughout his life, it's only become severe in recent weeks. So we hope we wish the senator well. We wish him nothing but the best. I hope he gets better. But I think his family really did a number on him, pressing him into running for that Senate spot when he should have been at home getting the required rest uh, that he needed to recover from a serious stroke. His wife and the DNC both. Those were the two main culprits in this. John Fetterman was not okay. We knew he wasn't okay. But the Dems were so thirsty to have another vote in the Senate that they didn't care if this dude almost died on the trail I, I i wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me before the end of this year if we see his wife installed as senator of pennsylvania as he has to step down for health reasons it would it's not it's happened before with this kind of thing i'm not sure how they do things in pennsylvania but i know that's her goal 
She's the one that wants the spotlight here. She is the Jackson Mahomes to Pat Mahomes. Like Pat Mahomes, the quarterback of the Chiefs, his younger brother wants to be a star so bad. He's a moron on TikTok. He's always getting in trouble, and his older brother has to apologize for him. Well, I mean, Mahomes' wife. What were we just talking about yesterday? How she tweeted out that everybody owes my man an apology for criticizing the Chiefs at the beginning of the year. They were a Super Bowl favorite at the beginning of the year. But going back to wives, that's Fetterman's wife. That is. She was so power hungry, she did not want her husband to rest, and he needed the rest. You had broadcasters that weren't working for Fox, that weren't working for News Nation or Newsmax, whatever, pretty liberal outlets saying, this guy is not okay. That poor NBC reporter told the truth. Yeah, she was raked over the coals for saying that he needed a teleprompter. He wasn't understanding completely what I was saying. He was having trouble comprehending, um, you know, and speaking and and answering her questions as well. Right. And she was... Yeah, yeah, the wife, Fetterman's wife, was just, you know, ableist. Wanted her fired. Yeah. Wanted her fired from her job because she was telling the truth about her husband, which she was perfectly fine with, having him campaign hard and hard and hard every day, knowing damn well his health wasn't up to it. So this story is a shame. I don't care what you think about Fetterman and his, you know, his policies. The fact that his family and the DNC did this to somebody is disgusting. Uh, keeping it in Pennsylvania here, talking about Fetterman, a Pennsylvania couple talking about how 40 years ago a man's wife hired teenage hitmen to try to kill him. So this happened 40 years ago. Uh, his yeah. wife hired teenage hitmen to kill him. They attempted to murder him five times, including trying to blow up his car, shooting him, yeah. attacking him with bats. Here are Tony and Francis Toto talking about their marital troubles, <laughs> the murder attempts, and ultimately making up. Twice, one in the back of my head, the one down on the bullet were right through the chest. And the one in his head is still there. I don't think I was thinking straight. It was like a love-hate kind of a thing. And then we both cry and uh, we say to each other, you know, for now on, let's talk, let's talk, let's communicate better. Something yeah. that we should have done before. <laughs> you think? This is hilarious. So they're celebrating 57 years of marriage. Guy's wife tried to have him killed when they were younger. They made a movie about it. I Love You to Death. It's a Lawrence Kasdan movie with Kevin (laughs) Kline and Tracy Ullman and William Hurt. And so what happened was they had four kids in a pizza shop, but but the, the guy, Tony strayed from the marriage and apparently francis didn't like that too much (laughs) Uh, after one of the uh, uh, assassination attempts he spent 12 days in jail and then immediately after he got out of hospital went to bail his wife out it must be real good that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) i don't know what she's got down there but boy it must be magic I, i mean look she had to go to jail for four years though so there were th- this was not without consequences, but I gotta go back and watch this. Uh, I gotta go back and watch this movie because it was made because after you know in 1990, I Love You to Death hit theaters. It was a big hit. Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs up, and uh, it's it's happy anniversary, 57 <laughs> years. My wife tried to kill me. I'm not sure I would have made it that long. 
What about five times? Like I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah. it's got to be special. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Allison, can I get a little mood music, please? Oh. So there's an article at the Daily Mail that is trying to make a victim out of a woman who tried to get a job at a strip club. So the Daily Mail has this article that's designed to make you feel bad for strip club body shaming to a potential stripper. This OnlyFans model opened up about the audition process of trying to get a job at Melbourne's leading strip club. And she goes in there, she takes off her clothes, and they told her that her skin was too pale and she wasn't hot enough to become a stripper. Well, that's a shame. So my question to you is, am I supposed to feel bad for this woman? Because ultimately, you still agreed to take your clothes off and go in there and shake it, which tells me that you probably feel pretty good about yourself. Why would this strip club make a difference? Am I supposed to feel bad for the stripper here, Nige? Hmm. I mean, if the strip club has certain standards and she can't live up to those standards in a physical way, then, I I mean, I guess... Am I supposed to feel bad? Like, it's one thing to not get the job, but it's not like she's trying to get a job at Home Depot here. (laughs) Then I would feel bad. But she was trying to get a job at the number one strip club in in the world. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're too ugly to work at Lowe's. Uh, (laughs) We can't accept your audition. Um... Uh, I, I guess I, I guess not. That's the chance you take when you dabble in the um, you know the flesh industry. I'm watching. I'm looking at her right now. She looks hot to me. I don't. I don't get what they were talking about. Well, who's in her place though? That's the question. No, I. I, I like think Ryan people... Leaf had a really good NFL combine, but that doesn't mean he should have been the number one pick in the draft. <laughs> um. Now I'm looking at it right now. There's no way they should have turned her down. I think they're crazy. <laughs> wow. What was it? Yeah. Look up Michaela Testa. Michaela Testa. Yeah. OnlyFans model. She could maybe she could she could do better. She could probably make more money on OnlyFans anyway. Right. Right. But yeah. now because she didn't make it, I kind of want to see the lineup of the Melbourne Strip Club. Yeah. Do they have like a roster? Is that like a sports team where you can click on the roster and look down and see you know who's all. You know, employed, so to speak. <laughs> According to Jamie writing in at Hammer and Nigel, we've we've all been to the strip club across the street that features the B team. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have. No cover and cheap beer. Not that I would know that. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. They should have been fired a long time ago. I think we got a show. Oh, yeah, we got a show. We definitely got a show. On 93 WIBC. Oh, yeah! I think it's pretty clear to me, Hammer, that... Don Lemon is trying to get fired from CNN. <laughs> like they're hoping he he's he's praying they just pay out his giant contract so he have to go in with his two co-hosts anymore. He's bitter that he got demoted uh, to a show, uh, having to have co. He, you know, he, he hosted a show by himself for a long now, whoa, time. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on. Don Lemon told us he got promoted. <laughs> no. No, you I don't thought go- going from prime time to a morning show nobody watches was a good thing, apparently. I pray they don't fire him because it's endless entertainment. Um, <laughs> it's show prep it, for us. It is. Things got, I guess you could say, awkward on the set of CNN this morning. Here's Don Lemon curiously suggesting that Nikki Haley 
should not bash politicians' ages because she's past her prime as a woman in politics. This whole talk about age makes me uncomfortable. I think that I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What are you that's talking about? That's not according to me. <laughs> prime for what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll say, if you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say 20s, <laughs> 30s and 40s. I don't necessarily. 40s. Oh, I got another I'm not saying decade. I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful you do about agree with saying it. that, well, you know, politicians aren't in their prime. You need to qualify. Are you talking about prime for like child preparing or are you talking about prime just for being president? What the facts are. Google it. Everybody at home. When is a woman in her prime? It says 20s, 30s and 40s. And I'm just saying Nikki Haley should be careful about saying that politicians are not in their prime. I love how Don Lemon preps for his national morning show. He just Googles it and then states it as fact. Puppy Harlow was ready to smack the taste out of his mouth right there. Did you hear that? Poppy was like, what? (laughs) Who the hell are you to talk about when a woman is in their prime? You're not a woman. You don't date women. You don't like women. Why are you talking about when they're in their prime? Don Lemon is older than Nikki Haley. Let that sink in. When people are past their, he's fifty six. She's fifty one. What's he? Uh, I wonder what he say. Is Biden out past his prime? He's eighty one. For God's sake! Listen, nobody. He has no idea what he's talking about. The fact that he said, "Well, I googled it," it just <laughs> destroys any at all credibility. I hope they keep him for a long, long time. He's the gift that keeps on giving. Does anybody look at Nikki Haley and think Not that all. her and Joe Biden are the same right now? Right. Well, they're both past their prime. No, one of them thinks that he's Batman. The other one is just announcing think, she's going to run I for president. Nikki Haley is, looks very, I think she's attractive. Now, I think Don Lemon was commenting on Pastor Prime politically. Uh, but, but that's that not what he said, it, though. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, there's tons of, of octogenarians in Congress and the Senate. And, and you know, Feinstein, for God's sake, is oh, finally, good re- Lord. finally retiring. So, Allison, let me get you in the mix here. When you hear Don Lemon say women past the age of 40, you might as well just throw them out with the trash. And I'm paraphrasing here. Your thoughts? Yeah, my eyes are still glued to the back of my head. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Oh, I'm so glad there was a couple of voices of reason there. (laughs) If somebody else were to say that, if that were Tucker Carlson saying that about Kamala Harris, for example, you would have... Al Sharpton, you would have all of the race baiters, Joy Reid. It'd be DEFCON 1 over at MSNBC. Kamala Harris is 58 years old. It's past her prime, according to Don Lemon. Willie Brown disagrees. (laughs) (laughs) Google it, as Don Lemon would say. Google it. You don't know what we're talking about. Just take Don Lemon's advice and Google it. That's how he does his show prep. Um, now, John Lamont, as he's known as, that hot take on women being in their prime comes a day after the ratings came in for CNN's morning show. And it's the lowest in a decade. The morning show on CNN with Don Lemon, wow. Caitlin Collins, and Poppy Harlow garnered the lowest viewership among the key 24 to 54 demo and the second lowest total viewership of any of CNN's other programs going back to 2013. Yeah, I, and I don't think the Bill Maher thing did any 
favors for him. On Friday nights, they're going to simulcast the uh, overtime coverage on Bill Maher's Real Time with Bill Maher on HBO. That that ratings, those ratings didn't do well at all. So oh. think about CNN. It's a major network, right? They've got money behind them. It's not like they're balling on a budget here. That morning show is the 17th most popular show on CNN, according to the ratings. I can't name 10 CNN shows. I know the primetime lineup, but Don Lemon's morning show is probably getting beat by like some crap they're airing at 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning. But you see, the president, the new, the, the new guy that took over, wanted to bring CNN more to the center, more hard news. But why do you keep guys like Acosta? Why do you keep guys like uh, Jake Tapper and, and Don Lemon? Because those guys aren't uh, Anderson Cooper, for that matter. Maybe a case could be made for Anderson Cooper to stay on. I don't know. He's probably the biggest name they have on there now. Don Lemon's morning show was number 325 of overall television shows. 325, and it's a major news network during an exciting time in the news. There's things going on. We're shooting stuff out of the sky, and you've got Joe Biden and inflation. This is an interesting news cycle, and nobody is watching that morning show. And again, I go back to the point where that I, I would assume he's bitter that he got demoted. He now has to deal with co-hosts when he had his own primetime show by himself. He was the object. He was the focus. Now he's got to share the camera with two other women, and he's 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 taking jabs, and he's lashing out. And this isn't the first time we've talked about um, his relationship with those two on that show. Speaking of losers at CNN, their former night guy, Chris Cuomo, Fredo, he had a bizarre comment about his firing at CNN. He now works at News Nation, and I don't know if this was a podcast or what, but he did an interview to describe what he was feeling after he was canned at CNN. That I had to accept because I was going to kill everybody, uh, including myself. Things can consume you. Italians are so passionate. And I really had to fight against that because I got too many people counting on me. Well, that's odd. I I was going to kill everybody and then myself. But he's an Italian. He's a hothead. It's okay. He's nice Fredo. Sweeping stereotype and generalization of Italians. Hey, we're passionate. We um, may kill you. We may kill ourselves. We're passionate. <laughs> we care. What the hell is wrong with you, you weirdo? Fredo's a weirdo. He's always been a weirdo. And now yeah. it's time for great moments in Fredo comparing things to the N-word history. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Cuomo. I thought, I thought that's who you were. No, punk ass from the right call me Fredo. My name is Chris Cuomo. I'm an anchor on CNN. Oh, you're much Fredo is not the anymore. godfather. It's like the N-word for us. <laughs> so according to that little fight that he had at the restaurant, calling him Fredo was like calling him the N-word. I'm, I'm sure there's African Americans that would beg to uh, differ on that comparison. You, but, you don't compare and contrast the N-word with Fredo. There's no comparison. Well... That wasn't the only time that he's done it. I see being called fake news as the equivalent of the N-word for journalists. (laughs) Great moments in comparing things to the N-word history with Chris Fredo Cuomo. Uh, Right now, let's shift gears completely and check in with America's fight against COVID-19. COVID-19. Oh, I swear that I mean at this moment. Three. There are three, three vaccines. 
Jones. China piss off. Now you've made everybody come on. We're all nervous because of COVID 19. So, when asked if the CDC is going to revise its guidance to wear masks in school in light of a new report that shows, shocker, they don't really do anything. Yeah. Let's hear from the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, as she tells Congress that, uh, you know what, we've got science over here, and I'm going to tell you all about it. So, so what is your timeline for updating, reevaluating these guide, guidance? You know, our masking guidance doesn't really change um, with time. What it changes with is disease. So when there's a lot of disease in a community, we recommend that those communities and those schools mask. When there's less disease in the community, we recommend that those masks can come off. So, okay. So it's just going to continue... Yeah, fancy talk for, we'll let you know when to take the masks off. So better just, keep those face diapers handy. She's just spitting in the face of science and studies and uh, study after study, peer review after peer review. The the, the Cochrane review is the latest that uh, came out earlier this month or maybe last month that said masks make little or no difference uh, in terms of COVID-19 and in flu rates. And by the way, kids don't get sick from COVID the way adults get sick from COVID. They don't spread COVID the way they... We've been going over this for years now. Unless you're wearing an N95 mask and and you freshen it up every two days, that little cloth thing that you're wearing on your face is theater. There was a day when, when the U.S. government, when Fauci said you were an idiot for wearing a mask. I mean, they scoffed at it as early as March of 2020 when this thing was first hitting. And uh, and now, I mean, there has been analysis, systematic analysis of, of masks and their efficacy. And it just, there's, it's, it's the science is there. <laughs> the science says that kids especially, it's harmful to, for them to wear a mask. You can imagine strapping an N95. Those things aren't comfortable. It's not like the useless uh, paper masks that you bought in bulk from China, which is a real uh, swindle. Boy, that was a scam, wasn't it? The, the virus comes from China, and then they all of a sudden they sell us a bunch of these masks in bulk <laughs> that we mandated to wear every day. Ugh. They, they don't work. Kids aren't dying from COVID. There was never a risk. Um, and they're ultimately harmed by wearing masks, especially in the classroom. If you want science on a mask, I will defer to my friend Steve Stewart. Take his mask yeah. and shut Come on! I don't wear it anymore. Turn it up! Y'all look at me like, like I'm a son I'm of a Mars <laughs> when I don't wear it in the store. Don't even try to make me put it on or I'm walking out the door. Big finish! Take his mask and shove it. I ain't wearing it no more. It's the Hammer and Nigel yeah. Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIPC. Coming up just a little bit after 4 o'clock, there was a town hall in East Palestine, Ohio last night. Oh, man. If you could call it that. Uh, we'll talk about that. And then after 5, O'Hare Sniff McGee spoke today and talked a little bit about objects being shot out of the sky. Finally breaking his silence after days on end. So we got a lot to get to here on the Hammer and Nigel show. And with all this talk about flying objects and things in the atmosphere, 
we thought now would be the perfect time to get some of our younger listeners involved. Oh, no. Because we often get accused of being too adult-heavy on this show. Oh, no. So I think it's time for a special What's in the Atmosphere edition of Fun Facts for Kids. It's time for Hammer and Nigel's Fun Facts for Kids. These are fun little pieces of information that younger listeners of the Hammer and Nigel show can use. All true pieces of information. True, maybe, but fun? I'm not sure about that. Invisible asteroids could strike the Earth at any minute. Scientists warn that an unknown number of space rocks could be heading for Earth, hidden in the glare of the sun. One big enough would cause so much damage, it would kill you and everyone you love in a terrifying way. Fun facts for kids! How is that a fun fact? Asteroids uh, aren't usually discovered by people. They're found in automated photos, and therefore, if a photograph doesn't detect it, it could totally crash into Earth and kill you before you even realize it. Fun facts for kids! There are billions of asteroids. It's mathematically likely that a large one will eventually crash into the Earth and take your final breath. Fun facts for kids! Didn't you see the one that crashed over France that kind of disintegrated safely last week? Did you see that footage? I see London, I see France. <laughs> Everybody just finished that joke, stupid. didn't they? I'm, I'm not going to say it. I'm not finishing it. An asteroid doesn't have to physically hit the ground to be a big problem. If it explodes entering the atmosphere, the result could be an explosion, the equivalent to 500,000 tons of TNT. Oh. That's the same as a small atomic bomb. Fun facts for kids! I apologize if any children are listening to this. This is not fun. In December of 2140, a 400-meter-wide rock is scheduled to hit the Earth. Really? It should get about halfway between the Earth and the Moon, but if calculations are off, even by just a little bit, and they have been in the past, everyone's going to die a fiery death. <laughs> Fun facts for kids! Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Got a uh, train derailment update here for you. Another train has derailed in Michigan near Detroit. This happened uh, today. Emergency crews uh, on the scene of a freight train derailment near Detroit. Uh, Numerous, about 30 train cars went off the tracks. No, uh, doesn't appear that there are any, there's any evidence of exposed hazardous materials. But I just find it odd that we get another big derailment so soon after the one in East Palestine, uh, Ohio. Well, you had that happen at the beginning of February, which had tons of hazardous materials leaking into the air and almost no media coverage of it until weeks later when people started getting headaches and animals started dying and the water is, is, is being tested. And it's, it's a disaster. It's an ecological disaster, I believe, what's happening there in East Palestine Hammer. They had a town hall last night, and this was hosted by the mayor. Thousands of people showed up. There's a lot of people that couldn't get in. I mean, this was a line that was wrapped down the street for about half of a mile. Members of the Biden administration, climate activists, and the train company, Norfolk Southern, did not attend last night. Now, the train company was supposed to attend. They had confirmed that they would be there, but then they canceled last minute citing concerns for their safety. Mm. Why? They didn't want to be exposed to the hazardous materials leaking out into the air either? Somebody <laughs> what it was? in this crowd, 
and I'm going to play you a piece of audio here. This was a pretty rowdy crowd. I mean, they wanted answers, and I think they knew they weren't going to get much last night because the train people bailed out on them. But you can hear somebody yelling to the mayor, where's Pete Buttigieg at? And listen to the mayor's response. Wow. So the mayor at this town hall last night says yesterday, now two days ago, was the first time they had heard from the White House. You mentioned earlier, this happened at the beginning of the month. This is an ecological disaster. It's been finally starting to get the news coverage the last week. And just two days ago, somebody finally reached out from the White House here. What the hell are they doing? Well, it shouldn't surprise you. Um you know what somehow they're a roundabout way blaming donald trump for all this sure and and um we had a lunatic tweet at us blame donald trump for this just the other day yeah secretary Buttigieg taking to twitter monday night quote saying he remains concerned about the families impacted Oh, thanks. Okay. Let's hear from some of the folks that were there last night. They're worried about their safety. They're fearing their safety when they put everybody here in danger. We're worried about our safety. I think we all want answers. Everybody wants to know what the hell's in the air, in the water. I want to know what I sucked into my lungs. We're faced with a lot of tough decisions, and we're missing a whole lot of information. So that's why we're here. Hopefully we're going to get it, but I'm extremely doubtful. And I kind of felt bad for the mayor last night because he wanted to have this open discussion with the train company to talk about the chemicals and everything that went into the accident. But the train company bailed out. So there weren't a lot of answers being given last night. Here's another guy that was angry and yelled out. Everybody that came here expects a hell of a lot more than what we're getting. Wow. I get it. Uh, I don't, yeah, I absolutely get it. And the fact that Pete Buttigieg is blaming Trump. Oh, well, we've been constrained by some rail regulations that Trump enacted. We're constrained by the law on some areas of rail regulation that were enacted by uh, Donald Trump. Okay. <laughs> what? Oh, these people. Rail they, regulations they aside, who made the call to set that tanker on fire? Who was the person that said, we're going to set this thing on fire? Because that's what we need to find out. Whoever that was, man, you've got some explaining to do. Because listen to some of the symptoms that some of these Ohio residents have. These were some of the folks that showed up last night. I wake up every day. I've been sick with my upper congestion. This morning I woke up with my eyes swelled. My kids, um, we're just running in to grab something and then we're going back to grandma's house because they keep breaking out in rashes. Kids do? Yeah. I work by the rail track and I have experienced headaches and coughing. I try not to go outside because every time I go outside, my throat gets scratchy. I have sore throat, um, headaches. My husband still has a headache. This is not an area, by the way, that, you know, people can just afford to get up and move out and stay in a hotel 20 miles away. Where are all the climate activists? Right. Why weren't any of them there last night? Why wasn't John Kerry or Al Gore or, you know, where's Leonardo DiCaprio at? Where are all these folks? Why weren't they there last night? They always want to help the climate. Well, here's your chance. This is your chance, Greta Thornburg. Get over here and help everybody out. (laughs) You want to be a superhero, now's your opportunity.
but none of these people want anything to do with it. You know why? Because it's happening in an area that predominantly is Republican. If this would have happened in Seattle, if this would have happened in San Francisco or New York or somewhere like that, don't you think the Biden administration and Pete Buttigieg would have been a little bit more active? Yeah, these these chemicals are uh, disproportionately affecting minorities. Uh, they'd be lined up around the block chanting that, but that's not what's happening here. Um, instead, they're blaming Trump, and Pete Buttigieg is off on a mission to to you know fix the disparity in diversity in construction sites. Racist construction is what <laughs> Pete Buttigieg is working on. Here's Ohio's rep, Bill Johnson. Uh, I, they are scared. They're frightened. They're frustrated. Uh, they have questions about the quality of their water, about the air, about what they're smelling, about uh, all kinds of things. And, and the EPA, uh, hopefully the EPA administrator is going to bring some answers with him today. They also have some questions for Norfolk Southern. Uh, unfortunately, Norfolk Southern was not there last night. They should have been. Uh, these folks have every right to expect that their questions get answered. What I'm going to tell them and what I have been telling them, this will be my third trip up to East Palestine. I'm, I was there last night. I was there on Monday. Uh, I'm going back today. We're going to keep digging. We're going to keep asking until we get the questions answered that they have. And we talked about this yesterday, Nige. There have been reports that even the Cincinnati area and the Ohio River right there, where if you've ever gone to a Reds game or if you've gone to Cincinnati for one reason or the other, you've passed over the Ohio River, there have been traces of some of these cancerous toxins in that water. And that's 230-plus miles away from ground zero, if you want to call it that. It's also going up through West Virginia at this point. This is a big deal. And as we keep an eye on this story, you mentioned at the top of the segment here, there's been another train derailment. I'm looking at what's going on in Kissimmee, Florida. Oh, that huge warehouse fire. Five acres, this big warehouse fire with potential hazardous fumes, 80-plus uh, firefighters battling this thing earlier today. The pictures of this. Remember when that Walmart fire happened in Plainfield? Yeah. It kind of looks like that, just massive black smoke. And who knows what kind of toxic plastic, you know, is burning in that place. You've seen a lot of this lately. Warehouses burning, uh, food plants burning, train derailments, chemical leaks. It's it's starting to add up, and it's it's starting to freak me out a little bit. I mean, the, honestly, like when you really think about, like, what's the coincidence? How many how many of those warehouse fires and food production plants and and these 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 train derailments have like what what I just like what are the chances all of it happening in the past year the way they have been going? Vince Lombardi, your thoughts? What the hell's going on out here? <laughs> yeah. Ever and Nigel presents is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I am going to run some stories by you. You are going to break down all the information and give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? Not a problem. Is this anything? A mini mart employee out of LA grabbed a knife from a would be attacker and chased him out the door. Here is Renee, the owner of Amaya's Mini Mart, 
talking about the attack. The guy, you know, he came around the counter and he pointed on her a uh, big knife. But the lady said she's a brave girl because he fought against him. He got the knife and he chased him. That's awesome, I'm, but I'm surprised. This happened in Los Angeles, you said? Yes. I'm surprised the prosecutor there didn't try to um, uh, arrest the Mini Mart employee that stole the knife out of the attacker's hands and chased him with it. Gascon <laughs> probably would have found a way to charge the owner. I mean, it happened. You know, you saw something similar, sort of similar in Manhattan, um, where that radical leftist DA, Alvin Bragg, charged the bodega owner for killing that would-be attacker with a knife. Right. The guy came behind the counter, was getting in his face, pushing him around. Uh, was just acting very belligerent, didn't know what was ha- going to happen to the bodega owner, or as uh, the Dr. Jill Biden said, the bo- bogada. Bogada. The bogada owner uh, grabbed the knife and st- <laughs> just stuck the guy and killed him. Good for him. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, these, these Mini Mart employees, I-, I swear to God, they it's it's a risky job. They're doing God's I, work, I mean, man, because that's those, not a safe gig. It, it's not, and it, especially depending on what side of town you're on, and it doesn't even seem like it matters what side of town you're on. Those things that are open 24 hours, I don't get it, man. Like, some gas stations are open 24 hours, but they won't let you in. Right. They just, like, like they have the glass, the, the sliding drawer that comes out that you could pay or you could request, you know, them to go get you something. I don't know why all, or they work behind a, a, a bulletproof glass, you know, plexiglass. Right. There at the counter. So, yeah, no, I'm glad he's okay. And I wish they would have got the guy. I wish that the Mini Mart employee would have killed the attacker. Yeah. Does that make me a horrible person? No. I wish that he would have killed him. If those kinds of things, if that was the result of those kinds of things, uh, you know, like what happened in New York, um, that that guy, that store owner that killed the attacker, if more things like that happen, if more good guys with guns... Or knives in this case. Or knives. Um, maybe, Maybe the crime, maybe the criminals would think twice about that sort of thing. And this brings us to great moments in fighting off convenience store attackers' history. Who could forget the time that Brad Hamilton from Ridgemont High School (laughs) threw hot coffee in the face of a would-be attacker? What are you doing? It's safe. Behind your donuts. Come on, come on. I just started here. They just just taught me the procedure, and let me figure it out. Let me figure it out. Come on, let's go. Get out of my case, mother. That is That is the greatest moment. Hamilton. All right, Hamilton. That is one of the greatest moments in fighting off convenience store attackers' history, for sure. No question. Jeff Spicoli wandering out of the bathroom, wondering where the (laughs) towels are at, was just enough of a distraction for Brad Hamilton to throw the hot coffee on the guy. Is this anything? An Illinois man is celebrating reaching an 80 years of bowling milestone. Cool. And living to be over 100 years of age. He's 100? Here is the president of the Club 50 Plus Bowling Club, Gail Evans, and 103-year-old Ed Berthold. 103? Talking about his eight decades of bowling. It's amazing. I mean, to look at him, you wouldn't think he was over maybe in his 80s. My father died at 39. 
tuberculosis. When I compare uh, that to what, what happened to me, I, you know, I wish that I was a few years younger. <laughs> hey, man, I mean, look, there's something to be said about bowling. I mean, it gets the body moving. You're, you're stretching. You're, you're active. Uh, and you live to be, you know, 80 years of bowling. What's that say? This guy, I mean... My son's going to be 110 then, apparently, because <laughs> he just got done doing school bowling. Dude, bowling is awesome. I haven't been bowling. We went for my son's birthday party, his 11th birthday party, and there, as we were li- leaving on a... It was Sunday a couple of weeks ago. It was on a Sunday, and there are the, these leagues that start forming. And, and, like, these leagues weren't, like, you know... Whatever you think of a stereotypical bowler looks like, these leagues were like young dudes and chicks, hot chicks with pigtails, sitting there drinking beer. Like I wanted, I want us to do like a Hammer Nigel bowling night or bowling league or something. That like would that. be fun. That would be really fun. We're gonna have to get our promotion I staff on that. I'm, I'm awful. Bowling. Oh, me too. How did the kid do? I know, I know the the team, the Beach Grove team. Yeah, they made it to semi-state, um, semi-state and one of his teammates made it to the state finals. Didn't win it, but made it there. Awesome. So, okay. heck of a run. Which brings us to great moments in bowling <laughs> history. Okay. Hammer and Nigel Records paid tribute to the state of Georgia, yeah. who in 2020, they were the first state to open up bowling alleys post-COVID. All right, Georgia. <laughs> Keep on bowling, baby. <laughs> Georgia Governor Brian Kemp will allow some non-essential businesses to begin reopening tattoo parlors, bowling alleys, salons, and barbershops can reopen. Ladies and gentlemen, coronavirus, gotta keep on bowling, baby. Come on. Lift off the lockdown. Feel free to go out. Get on. Heck on. Tell me what you're gonna do now. Keep bowling, 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 Brian Kemp has no fear. Every time I roll, it's a strike or a spare. Got shoes you share, balls you share. Three four weeks, two people getting sick. So come get your kicks with this Kemp brisket mix. So with your handicap punk, yo, set the pins up. And wish me good luck while I pick this spare up. Keep bowling, 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 Limp biscuit uh, mood there for the Hammer and Nigel records. The look uh, of disappointment on Allison's face right now. <laughs> she realizes what in the hell have I gotten myself into? <laughs> it's just such a look of defeat and disappointment. I've I've I, seen I, that I, look before. I, why? I mean, I think that was uh, one of the better Hammer and Nigel <laughs> records moments right there. Uh, a paying tribute to Kemp opening up Georgia. I mean, he was one of the pioneers of COVID twenty twenty. Him and DeSantis. Tony Katz doesn't have his own record label, does he, Allison? That's one thing you never had to deal with, is it? No, that is not. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. I, I want to do this last story. I know we're running late here. No, but go ahead. I don't care. I love this story so much. Two pranksters out of the UK are accused of trying to start World War III because they flew their own balloon over the Chinese embassy. <laughs> yeah, I saw this. And they wrote spy balloon across the front of it. Here they are. If China can use a high-altitude balloon to spy on the West, why can't the West use a high-altitude balloon to spy on China? We're going to fly a very small weather balloon over the Chinese embassy. <laughs> I've never felt more like in my life. Time for the real Josh and Archie spy balloon to be released. Up it goes, up it goes. 
this is a mess. We're in a tree, we're in a tree. Okay, now we just need the wind to take it, George. Or height. Okay, let's walk it round now, walk it round. Our balloon had scaled the embassy and was in Chinese airspace. That's <laughs> spy balloon on it. That is something for sure. Written in big marker, yeah, spy balloon. Yeah, no, I think police or whatever whatever they are, officials like just told the guys to deflate the balloon and take it away because it would be offensive to uh, people in the Chinese embassy. Oh, okay. We don't want to hurt yeah. their feelings. <laughs> Only they're allowed to have yeah, spy balloons. That's right. Got it. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIPC. I remember waiting for Jason Hammer's right over there. My name is Nigel. I, do you think people like uh, Kamala Harris and Steve Carell and who, you know some of those other celebrities that bailed all the uh, the the rioters out of 2020? Do you think they have any regrets that at all? No. Because they got some social media pub out of it. They got a little bit of press out of it. Oh, look, they're helping. They're doing the right thing. They don't care who got in, who got out. They okay. don't. All right, because there's this new study. You can tell me more about it, man, because you were talking about this in the hallway earlier. This, this policy of zero bail. This study says it actually increased crime in every category. So this is coming from Yolo County in California, which is near Sacramento. That's where zero bail was attempted, and they released their numbers on crime. The data showed that those released on zero bail reoffended at a 70% higher rate, committed new felonies 90% more wow. often, wow, 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 wow. misdemeanors. 123% more often and were rearrested for two or more new crimes 148% more often compared to those who had cash bail. The study also found that the average uh, rate over 18 months for seeing them again was 70%. Those released on zero bail. You saw them again in some capacity in the justice system, 70% percent compared to 46 percent who actually had to post cash bail you know, these criminals are smart they know oh wait a minute i'm going to commit a crime these career criminals career violent criminals uh, wait i'm going to commit a crime and i don't even have to get bailed out they're just going to let me out maybe slap me with a gps monitor and tell me to show up to court later sure Pay i'll do fine? that oh wow so you're telling me zero bail doesn't work and the reoffenders were uh, at a 70% higher rate. It gets worse. The expanded case study, again, this is from a county in California near Sacramento, Yolo County. The expanded case study on zero bail conducted shows that the policy resulted in 163% more total crime and 200% more violent crime. So, again, this tells you it's the repeat offenders. It's not just a problem here. It's a problem all over this nation where, for whatever reason, we've decided we have to be soft. We have to be gentle with some pretty violent men and women. In the name of equity. Right. 100%. The district attorney's office previously released an analysis in August of 2022 on the criminal reoffense rates of individuals released from jail on zero bail as a result of court mandates during the height of the pandemic. Of the 595 individuals released on zero bail in Yolo County 
out of the 595, 420 or 70.6% oh were rearrested and 123 or 20% were arrested on a violent crime, which includes murder, attempted murder, kidnapping, robbery, domestic violence, and more. In the name of equity. We were just talking about this around this time yesterday. The Michigan shooter, Michigan State, he was legally able to own a gun for one reason only, because in 2019, he uh, was arrested for a felony gun possession. And we know how the left and the liberals and the progressives hate guns. We have this guy arrested for felony gun possession, and uh, they pled it down to a misdemeanor. The, the radical leftist feminist prosecutor pled it down to a, a misdemeanor. So for as much as the left hates guns and doesn't want guns in the hands of law-abiding citizens, they sure are light on offenders when it comes to weapons charges. She had it in her... Uh, we, I can't, I, I, geez, it just makes me shake my head. I mean, just put the bad guys in jail. Put the, keep the bad guys in jail. I don't care what color they are. Red, yellow, black, and white. Color of the rainbow. I don't care what color. If you're a violent repeat offender, sorry, no bail. All this talk about equity uh, or, has given me an idea, yeah. Nige. Let's play a round of Is It Racist? It's time to play Is It Racist? It's, just, it's, it's so obvious zero bail doesn't work. It's just, it's totally obvious. For those who are maybe new to the Hammer and Nigel show, here to explain how we play Is It Racist <laughs> is the socialist sweetheart herself, AOC. Is it racist? Is something racist, yes or no? Boy, she would be the first one to tell you that you can't hold a gun, you should be able to have a gun to protect yourself, you shouldn't own an AR-15, but boy, if there's a disproportionate number of minorities that go to jail for gun charges, then yeah, maybe we should, maybe just slap them with misdemeanors instead of felonies. Is it racist? Colorado head coach Deion Sanders said that when he recruits quarterbacks to come play for his team, the Colorado Buffaloes, he wants a kid that doesn't get in trouble, has at least a 3.5 grade point average, yes. and has both parents, a mother and a father. We want mother, father, you know, dual parent. Mm -hmm. We want that kid to be 3-5 and up because he's got to be smart. Mm -hmm. um, not bad decisions off the field uh, at all mm -hmm. because he has to be a leader of men. It's so many different attributes and what we look for when we see a quarterback. Now, because he added the father line in there, I've seen some talking heads, some folks on social media saying that what Deion Sanders said was a slap in the face to the black community and the single moms that raise their kids in the black community. So Deion Sanders saying he wants a kid that's got both parents and doesn't get in trouble. Is that racist? I don't know if it's racist. I think it might be a little unfair. I mean, if that's one of the qualifications for you to get a scholarship to go play for Deion Sanders, what if, you know, my dad died in a car wreck? I mean, my hell, my parents were divorced at three years old, Hammer. Um, but I think what he's saying is um, there is a problem with minorities, specifically fatherless minorities that are disproportionately committing violent crimes, according to stats. And, and, and that's a problem. We need to figure that out instead of creating cr chaos with the revolving door of the criminal justice system and, and giving, giving felons a get out of jail free card. So that's why I think that's what he's talking about there. But I do think it's, I do think that would be unfair if that's a, um, 
a qualification. If you've got two guys that have the same stats, 3.5 GPA, doesn't get into trouble, but one kid has uh, a, is a single mom and then another kid is both his mom and dad, you know, th- that seems a little unfair to me. So I want to flip the script a little bit right. because even though Dion's taken a few shots, I feel like this would be a much bigger story if Nick Saban said that okay. or Jim Harbaugh said that or some other white head coach. If a white head coach said the exact same thing that Dion said, I want somebody that's not going to get in trouble, has a 3.5 and has a dad. Would this be a bigger deal? Would Jamel Hill and yes, Rex Chapman be course. tweeting up a storm? Uh, absolutely. Of course. Of course they would. But I, again, would say to you that it's not raised. It's, it might not be fair. Uh, but I don't see... I, I don't see how Deion Sanders was being racist there. But they would. But yeah, to, to answer your question, uh, there would be they would they would sprinkle that in if it was the other way around. If it was a white head coach, for sure. Look, I'm no Colorado fan, but I kind of like what Dion's trying to do with this program. He wants to hold these athletes accountable. We played some audio when he first got the job. Remember when he was looking at the team that he inherited here at Colorado, and he said, "This is what I want you to do in the classroom." No slides, no armpits exposed, no white leaders. Sit in the front of the classroom and be the perfect gentleman because when it comes down to it and you need help from that professor, they're going to recall your character and who you've been consistently in that class. No slides, no sleeveless shirts, no armpits exposed, none of that. I'm good with that. Hold yeah. these kids accountable, man. All right. I'm good with Dion. I Laying like a little discipline. Laying down the hammer for sure. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock. So Hammer, the United States military shot down four different objects in American airspace uh, over the past few weeks. We know the first object was that spy balloon from China was allowed to enter American airspace. Uh, travel across country, surveilling the United States over military installations. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't just drifting off course, as China said. It's not a weather balloon. They shot that one down over South Carolina. Then uh, days later, there's another foreign object over Alaska that the military shot down. They're calling it an object. Don't exactly know what it was. They shot down an object over Canada with NORAD. Uh, they shot down an object over uh, the Great Lakes here recently. So that's four. This is unprecedented. One, you know, one would be unprecedented, much less four. And nothing from the president of the United States. Now, John Kirby is the uh, spokesman for the, the National Security Council in the White House. So he's made statements and things like that. So it's not like we've it's been radio silence for the administration. But Joe Biden has never addressed even the Chinese spy balloon, which happened what three weeks ago maybe longer than that i'm not sure uh, the timeline here I'm do you confused. think he just found out about it today because <laughs> with joe biden you can't rule that out did he just now find out not about only it? did he know about it but he knew about it um you know you remember the timeline the goalposts in terms of the timeline were moving back oh well this surprised us we just appeared over montana oh well actually we knew about it when it was entering alaska you know uh, the islands over alaska uh well now there's a report from cbs that the military knew about it the moment it took off from China mainland. When was it Trump's fault? Because I know that was in there somewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The mix in the Trump's fault. Well, this happened during Trump, too. 
well actually maybe it did but trump wasn't aware of it and they made the you know the biden administration made that clear this this did kind of thing did happen with chinese spy balloons but they didn't know about it until after trump left office so anyway kind of throwing your military surveillance under the bus right, right 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 so anyway finally today the president of the united states speaking about spy balloons and f- shooting down foreign objects over uh, the continental United Sp- States. Let's start with the explanation of the Chinese spy balloon. When one of these high-altitude surveillance balloons entered our airspace over the continental United States earlier in the month, I gave the order to shoot it down as soon as it would be safe to do so. The military advised against shooting it down over land because of the sheer size of it. It was the size of multiple school buses and opposed a risk to people on the ground if it was shot down where people lived. Instead, we tracked it closely, we analyzed its capabilities, and we learned more about how it operates. And because we knew its path, we were able to protect sensitive sites against collection. We waited until it was safely over water which would not only protect civilians, but also enable us to recover substantial components for further analysts, for, for, for further analytics. And then we shot it down, sending a clear message, clear message. The violation of our sovereignty is unacceptable. We'll act to protect our country, and we did. Yeah, you're a real tough guy there, Joe. Here's the Cliff's Notes version of what he said. <laughs> this is the short version. I asked the military to shoot it down. They overruled me. We let it finish its job. It spied all across the country. We shot it down over the ocean. That's it. And if you really wanted to shoot it down when it was safe, uh, you should have done it when you were tracking it uh, in the Pacific Ocean. You know, Hawaii, Guam. You knew this thing was coming. You knew you you saw it coming. It, it, it didn't. The explanation doesn't make any sense. No. Of course, he's trying to spin it as, well, we were spying on the spires. We were collecting information and tell, uh, you know, g- gathering data on, on this thing. Nobody buys that. And again, had that been an aircraft that was on a beeline to crash into the Capitol, the White House, the Pentagon, I promise you, oh, they yeah. would have shot that down over New York City, Chicago, or L.A. So stop with the, well, we didn't want it to land on somebody. You would have shot it down if it were a risk to national security. Stop the BS. So, then Joe Biden addressed the three quote-unquote objects that were shot down over Alaska, Canada, and Michigan. Here we go. We don't yet know exactly what these three objects were, but nothing, nothing right now suggests they were related to China's spy balloon program or that they were surveillance vehicles from other, any other country. The intelligence community's current assessment is that these three objects were most likely balloons tied to private companies, recreation or research institutions studying weather or conducting other scientific research. So we're really going with the excuse huh. that it came from a used car lot? That's really what we're going with? <laughs> well, that's what the White House told the governors yesterday. We talked about that. So so he's spinning it as, hey, look, we don't really know what these things are, but they're they could be uh you know a private entity the something along the lines of recreation and or maybe some companies using it as, using it as research which kind of 
make sense to me. At least he didn't go out there and says, yeah, well, it could be aliens. It could be a, a car balloon from a used car lot. Um, Do you uh, believe uh, the fact that they don't know? Because I don't at all. So you're telling me if this were an alien, you're just going to let his carcass lay out there on the ice? Well, it's cold out. What do you want us to do? No, they know what it is. Just tell us what it is. Or are you embarrassed that you shot down a used car lot balloon? Well, we'll get to that here in just a second, because after he's done with his little spiel here, uh, the press corps started shouting out questions. That was one of them. But before that, just a quick clip here. Biden's going to make a phone call to an adversary to get down to the bottom of oh. all of this. Oh. And uh, I expect to be speaking with President Xi. Oh. <laughs> I hope we have, we are going to get to the bottom of this. But I make no apologies for taking down that balloon. He's going to give the nuke codes to Xi, isn't he? <laughs> He's going to come back and do a press conference. Yeah. I give him the nuke codes, but I got these <laughs> magic beans in return. <laughs> so... After this, he decided. He said, "All right, thank you. I'm not going to take any questions." Starts walking off. Of course, the press corps, Peter Ducey and some other guys, were yelling out questions. And he did that style, like he's walking off the side. His handlers are going, "All right, he's almost here. Come on, come on." Somebody shouts out a question about his family's ties to China and whether or not he's compromised because of China. Other people were asking if he overreacted because he wanted to try to look tough after the Chinese balloon right. fiasco. Just listen to this here in the background, and just imagine he's done it before. He's he's walking away from the, the podium. He stops and just slowly turns around. <laughs> Looking like confused it's a, a, and dazed. Like a spaghetti western. <laughs> wee, wee, wee. Wee, wee, wee. Here we go. Sir, there's been criticism. There's been criticism that this was. There's been criticism that this. Sir, Mr. President, Mr. President, there has been criticism. Mr. President, there has been criticism that this was an overreaction that was done because of political pressure. You cut my off and ask the question. We have more polite people. So. What a jag off. <laughs> Give me a break, man. No, you're not getting a break. You're the president of the United States, you senile old goat. You, this is legitimate questions they're asking there. Get, right. Give me a break. You, can, you don't just get off that easy. Donald Trump never did that. Can you imagine if Donald, Donald Trump, Trump turned Trump... around, give me a break? No. <laughs> no. You're not getting a break. These aren't your friends. This isn't people that you helped, you know, acquire all kind of shady deals with with your drug using son. It's the press corps, you stupid old bastard. My God, <laughs> give me a break. No, answer the question. Don't act like you're being put out because the press corps wants to know what yeah. our military is shooting out of the sky. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIPC. Really looking forward to uh, the movie called Joker 2, Joker Foley Adieu. This is a Joaquin Phoenix movie um, about Batman and the Joker, and he won an Oscar for his portrayal of the Joker. Robert De Niro was in that movie. It was an excellent movie. Loved, really very dark, depressing uh, movie. Todd Phillips is the director of that movie. He directed Old School, right. directed The Hangover. And now he's kind of ventured into more serious movies, I think. But there's some controversy on the set of Joker 2 Hammer. 
So apparently all the extras that are brought in to be part of the movie, you know, just people in the background, extras, they're casted. They're complaining that they're not allowed to use the restroom as much as they would like. This is a story from the New York Post. I would be pissed off too. The extras on the set of Joker 2 are mad because apparently they can't pee every two hours. The production bosses denying extras the access to go to the bathroom while on set. Jeez. So they're telling the extras, listen, it takes a while to get the cameras in place. You know, we've got these really expensive Academy Award winning actors out here. Pee before we film. Just two hours. Pee before or pee after. Just hold it when we're getting ready to film. And now all the extras are getting ticked off. Uh, it seems like you could hold it for two hours. I mean, I, I've heard Amazon, I've heard horror stories about uh, Amazon workers in the warehouse and, uh, you know, getting penalized for going to take pee breaks every few hours. Um, I, I, yeah, I think I think you'd hold it for two hours, right? Just I don't, don't think it's drink. asking that much. To be in a blockbuster of a movie, to just hold it for a couple of hours. They're not uh, saying you can't go just when we're getting ready to film, when the cameras are rolling in and Joaquin walks out there in his Joker suit, just hold <laughs> it. And keep the intake of beverages to a minimum while you're on break. Uh, because here's the thing. I have I walk around with a water bottle all day. You do too. I keep I keep well hydrated here. I'm, I'm back and forth that bathroom. I mean... Uh, probably i'd say average eight times a day here when i get to work i don't know maybe that's maybe maybe five to eight because i'm constantly chugging water this situation however however if i know i'm going to be on an airplane if i know i'm going to be um you know a place where there's not going to be a bathroom available be responsible and probably try to limit my intake of of liquids before i go to a ball game before i go to the indy 500 I pee because I don't want to have to go during the event, right? Yeah. And it's a pain in the butt to do that. Now, imagine you've got a costume on and you're an extra in a movie and Joaquin Phoenix is, you know, a bit of a red ass and he's over here and Lady Gaga, who's in this movie, is over here and they're waiting on extra Kenny to get done dropping a deuce. They're going to get pretty ticked (laughs) off. Like the record label, I'm sorry, the TV movie label is going to get pretty ticked off. They're waiting on some extra. The studio, you know, every minute is worth thousands, I feel like, on the set of a major production like that. (laughs) We need to ask Brian Baker about this because he is somebody that works on films. and He's an extra and a a stuntman, and uh, that would be a good question for him. A South African woman and a Canadian man broke the Guinness World Record for the longest underwater kiss before Valentine's oh, Day. Shut up. Beth Neal and her love interest went underwater and made out for four minutes and six seconds. Like without any, they just held their breath? Like yeah. No they just went at it. Like scuba gear or anything like that? I don't know how that would work even. Four minutes and six seconds. Four minutes underwater? I mean, you'll be talking like Biden after four minutes with no oxygen, right? Like, there's, there's got to be... A, they had to have some sort of way to get oxygen. But they said it was underwater, no, and I mean, Guinness gave them the record for it. So, my question to you. What's more impressive? Kissing underwater for four minutes, or the lady that has the world record for the lowest vocal note ever sung? <laughs> Oh, oh, oh.
Didn't we make Allison, our producer, do that a few weeks ago? Yes. That's when we knew she was going to get this gig. We made her do the lowest note. I kind of want to hear her do it again. Do you still have it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I can. <laughs> should, I, should I scale down as well? Please. You can scale okay. down. You can go ahead. Oh. <laughs> Bravo. I think I beat it. I think it's pretty good. (laughs) So, no, I definitely think that's more impressive than kissing underwater for four minutes straight. Yeah. All right. What's more impressive? All right. Allison taking it down really low or the guy that set the record for biting aluminum cans in half. Five. Four, three, two, one, stop. Just biting these cans in half. 36. 36 cans. No, he was was taking them one hand, left hand, right hand, left hand, right hand, and biting them in the middle, completely tearing them in half. I don't know if there was beer or water in them or what. It was pretty impressive, but I will I will take uh, forever the the low nuts low note sung by the female. That's You're, the most impressive. I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. Now, you've made it perfectly clear. Rob and I were talking about this the other day. You are a Nickelback fan, and you're not doing it to be funny or wacky. I love them. Yeah. You celebrate the entire catalog of Nickelback. Just downloaded their latest uh, album on iTunes, which was on a big discount. Uh, Nickelback, <laughs> they are one of these people that feel like there's no such thing as bad publicity. So their lead singer, Chad Kroger, he did an interview and he was crediting the haters, the people that always make these Nickelback jokes. He was giving them credit for keeping the band relevant. You know, all the detractors, all the haters, all the keyboard heroes, they have no idea how much they keep us in the press loop. It's hilarious. Those people that would love to see us go away, if they really want to see us go away, they would just shut up because all those bands that came out with us at the same time are all gone because nobody said anything about them. They've just all just sort of disappeared. We've really kind of spun this whole negative thing into a positive thing, and it's, uh, here we are. Uh, okay. Do you buy that? Uh, the, the haters are fueling their success. I don't know how successful. I, I think they're still a successful touring band. I mean, I saw them quite a few years back. There was a bunch of hot chicks. And, just, right. and that was still in the heyday of people making fun of Nickel. Like, it was trendy for some reason to. Like, back in their Silver Side Up days and um, the, their early days, um, they were really good in, like, the long road. But then somewhere along the way, they just got too popular for their own good, and people were, like, you know, t- saying they sold out. But Dark Horse and um, All the Right Reasons right. And, and all those those albums were really good. So huge, I, want you, I want you, Mr. Nickelback, to rank these Nickelback cover songs from your favorite to your least favorite, okay? These are cover songs done by Nickelback. Number one. Well, the devil bowed his head. The devil went oh, down to no. Georgia. And he laid that gold guitar down on the ground at Johnny's feet. And Johnny said, devil, just come on back if you ever want to try again. I done told you once, you son of a I'm the best that's ever been. Okay, so there's the devil went down to Georgia. This is Nickelback's cover of Dirty Laundry. 
Nickelback doing the classic ZZ Top hit, Legs. And last... I have heard that one. Lastly, this is Nickelback's version of We Will Rock You. Heard this one either. Which one's your favorite? Which one's your least? All right, least favorite definitely went down to Georgia, and uh, I definitely was digging the dirty laundry. All right. Love the dirty laundry. That's number one. Mr. Nickelback has spoken. Rob Kendall, off the rails, coming up right after a look at the news with Harrison Silcox. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it. Stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now, Hammer and Nigel go off the rails with Rob Kendall on 93 WIBC. Oh, it's that time. You know what time it is. It's the Hammer and Nigel show, and it is time to go off the rails with Rob Kendall. Rob, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. Now, can I say this? The Garage Doors of Indianapolis team came out, fixed my dad's garage door opener the other day, put a new one in. It is fabulous. Those guys do the greatest work in the entire world. That's why they're the greatest garage door company in the entire world, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. How is Magic Mike Kendall doing? Well, he's grumpy and conservative, same as always. (laughs) Well, the uh, the apple doesn't fall too far it's, from the tree, you know, does it? I'll uh, come home, and of course my dad is my neighbor now, and I'll venture on over there. Hey, Dad, how's it going? Sounded like you were having too much fun on the radio today. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into some of the fun that you talked about today. Uh, this was something that you broke on the air yesterday, that the Republicans and the Indiana General Assembly have decided to cave when it comes to eliminating CRT in the classroom. Yeah, this is the second year in a row this has happened. And Hammer, you can never underestimate the Indiana Republican Party's ability to cave and cower to the angry, red-shirted teacher crowd. I mean, it is... uh Absolutely unbelievable how a group of people who would never vote Republican if their lives depended on it absolutely control the Indiana Republican Party. Which is bizarre because if the roles were reversed, if the red T-shirt wearing teachers um, had the chance to save any conservatives, do you think they would do it? Well, and this is the problem, and we you know we talked about this for years on on this program and and this segment about people blindly voting Republican no matter what. And the Republicans know that no matter what they do, there's the majority of people are so afraid of Democrats that they're always going to vote Republican. So what you do, and it's a natural tendency, right? Like people do this in business or other places, you're always going to cater to the customer you don't have. And in the case of conservatives, look, we don't show up. Because we vote for people. We view the election right as showing up. Like, we elected you to do the right thing. Now go do it. 
when the Democrats and the le- the far left, of which the overwhelming majority of the angry red-shirted teacher crowd are, are card-carrying members, they're willing to get mad, they're willing to get loud, they're willing to get nasty. And so these Republicans down at the State House, in this case it was a Senate committee, are just very weak, cowardly people who say, well, screw that, I'm not going to do the right thing that the people elected me to do. I'm just going to get rid of these angry red-shirted teachers because I'll just keep getting elected regardless. All right, so a couple things with this, and I agree with you 100%, but you know as well as I do, even if there was a piece of legislation that would ban critical race theory from the classrooms, right? it would still be taught because that's the trend around this country. Ron DeSantis figured that out in Florida pretty quickly. You can have a class called African-American studies, but guess what? It ain't African-American studies. They will shove a bunch of crap to try to indoctrinate your kids in at any given opportunity. Yeah, so think about how they've maneuvered just in the past couple of years since this has all come to light. And it really was the COVID kids learning from home and parents saw what was happening that brought this to light. So with CRT... Then it was, oh, we're not doing uh, CRT, we're doing SEL, social emotional learning. Well, that's just CRT. Well, we're not doing SEL, we're doing DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. It's all the same crap. And because these lawmakers here won't actually fix the problem. I mean, the actual way to fix the problem is say, we're going to have school board races be voted on like every other race in this state, and you're going to put an R next to your name, or you're going to put a D next to your name, and you're going to run for public office the same way everybody else does. The Republicans don't actually want to fix the problem. What are the chances of that happening? Because I know it was presented in front of lawmakers in Indiana this year that school boards would have to have an R or a D next to their names. Any updates on this? Does anybody know? There's as much chance of that happening as me throwing a no-hitter in Game 7 of the World (laughs) Series this year, Hammer. Hammer, can I give a real-world example of what I'm talking about here, about how shifty and deceptive and not transparent these public schools are? Because I gave it on your show, but I, I know a lot of people listen to yours that are working or whatever during mine and vice versa. So went to the Brownsburg school board meeting on Monday and it had come to my attention from a little birdie who was underneath the superintendent because you know me, I got the birdies everywhere. and just They because, travel well. Well, just because somebody needs a paycheck doesn't mean they don't totally despise the bull crap that you know, <laughs> people at the state house or in this case the Brownsburg Community School Corporation is, is pulling and they, they sent me a little document that uh, was getting ready to be presented at the school board uh, meeting was my understanding. Uh, in fact, it was marked uh, January 23rd was the day the position was created called Director of Student Learning. And you look then you go, okay, well, I kind of thought the teachers were already the directors of student learning. But, uh, you know, we always need another administrator, as you and I know, that the administrators aren't making nearly enough. There aren't nearly <laughs> a, enough of those. And hard to believe why teachers don't get paid anything uh, with the administrators gobbling, gobbling up the quite salary. Quite a bit of cash involved in being a school administrator. Yeah, and, you know, the, the, leading up to this, of course, a year or so ago, two years ago, Brownsburg had hired a DEI coordinator amongst immense community opposition and they said no it'll be great and then turns out that that person uh, well they described it as it didn't work out was what the superintendent said and the job remained unfilled and just a month or so earlier in fact the superintendent had told multiple parents yeah we're not uh, filling that that DEI coordinator position again because that person didn't work out position didn't work out and and we've kind of recognized that didn't work great so I'm reading through this position thinking, why did this person send this to me I'm reading 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 then you get to the job description and once you start reading the actual job description and the words are even there diversity 
equity and inclusion. So, of course, I put it out and, you know, we got a few listeners here and a few people that follow our show and pay attention, even though we're told nobody listens by oh, third sure. round. But uh, quite a few parents came to the school board meeting and raised their hands and got up and said, well, what is this that, you know, Mr. Kendall is exposed that you told these parents no more DEI and then here's DEI. And you know what the superintendent said at the end of the meeting? Because he, he did address this hammer. He said, uh, well, we're not bringing back the DEI coordinator. So, you know, I was honest when I said that. But every job now in the Brownsburg Community School Corporation has a component of DEI to it. Every job. Every job. So I guess the lunch ladies, the janitors, we all. Math teachers. We all, diversity, equity, inclusion, they all they all have a, a Hold DEI. Hold on one second here. Now, again, I am not a teacher. I did not get my degree in educational studies. Why do we need to involve racial anything with math it's numbers it's calculations why does there have to be some sort of dei component to math i believe the phrase you're looking for hammer is addicted to radical leftism okay that's what it is so the, the point on all this though is good lord you've got a position that the community was against they did it anyway because that board mike wells and eric hilton and katie dixon she went on the board at the time but jessica heffernan the the radical leftists who ignore the community they hire this DEI. DEI coordinator, she's a disaster, just disappears, superintendent admits the position didn't work out, tells parents, no, it's not coming back. They just bring it back under another name because they don't have the guts to bring it back again. And this is the continued deceptive behavior that is happening in school corporations all over the state, and the Republicans won't do a damn thing about it. We spoke with Tony Kennett yesterday, and again, it cracks us up when people come at us on social media what's crt it's not being taught in schools i work at x school and nobody teaches crt that's funny because tony kennett seems to have a whole packet a whole email file of all the bull crap they were trying to shove down people's throats that's why he was blackballed from ips because he was the whistleblower for all this nonsense and the republicans in indiana know exactly what's going on they know exactly what's going on in these school districts they know the deceptive behavior and they are too afraid to do anything about it so nothing's going to change which is why more i mean a, a cavalcade of people are pulling their kids out of the public education system either going to homeschooling or private schools because the indiana republican party sucks but what's the solution hammer i guarantee you in this new budget which will be about five billion dollars bigger than the old budget 50 percent or more of that money will go to public education that's 20 billion dollars or more and the republicans will say well we've got to do something about public education the answer is to not throw 20 billion dollars at it <laughs> he is going off the rails he's robbed kendall from the kendall and casey show can you come back for one more oh sure because I want to talk weed with you. Oh, great. Let's dive into weed at the Indiana State House. That's coming up next. We're going off the rails. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Back with Rob Kendall going off the rails. The Kendall and Casey Show every Monday through Friday, 9 to noon. So we're talking weed at the Indiana State House. And every year, it feels like there's a couple more baby steps involved with the legalization of marijuana. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I have not smoked weed, touched weed since I was in college. You were talking about 20 plus years down the road here, Rob. But the other states around Indiana seem to be making pretty good money on the legalization of marijuana. Where are you at? Well, the theme of uh, today's off the rails is cowardly behavior from the Republicans because they had this hearing on weed and they come out and say, yeah, we're having this hearing on decriminalization, but we're not going to vote on it this year. 
Which means what? It means you're wasting everyone's Thank time. You. And they're doing this because they don't want to actually help you, but they want to give the perception that they're helping you. Same thing they're doing with property taxes, right? They passed this property tax bill out of committee, 65 pages. You have to have a PhD to understand it. And then the head of the committee, Jeff Thompson, head of Ways and Means, comes out and goes, yeah, uh, this really, and of course I'm paraphrasing here, this uh, is going to change a whole bunch between now and the end of the session. So we'll let you know, like, uh, you know, April, what we're going to come up with on property. <laughs> taxes. The session ends in April, Hammer! <laughs> but this is the same thing they're doing with the weed bill. They're not going to go against Holcomb because they're all petrified of Holcomb. Why? Because they don't want to end up like Curtis Hill. That was what the Curtis Hill saga was all about. Even er- though Holcomb is a lame duck at this point. he can, It's not... Holcomb's like, you know in the movies where the villain is just a face for other villains? Holcomb <laughs> is just a... And there's always another bad guy on top of that bad guy. That's just what Holcomb is. He's just a face for... A there's group. a Darth Vader. There's an Emperor. Yes. The, 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 the money people, the people who control Holcomb, that's who they're <laughs> petrified of. And they will not go against Holcomb. So what they do is they know people are sick. They know people are suffering. They know there's zero reason to get people hooked on dangerous opioids when legal... Okay, so stop right there. I want to back you up just a little bit. So we're not just talking about somebody that wants the green light to light up a doob in his living room, hit the bong in his living room. This would actually help some folks that are suffering from some ailments. And we've heard for a number of years that opioids, which are being used to treat a lot of this, are a big problem here in Indiana. We're talking about someone under a doctor's supervision being able to, it's ALS, cancer, PTSD, whatever, being able to use Medicinal uses. Exactly. 85% of Hoosiers in a recent poll supported it. It's a total win. The reason they will not do it is because they're afraid of Holcomb, and the reason Holcomb will not do it is because he is totally beholden to the big pharmaceutical companies. And people are suffering because of it, and it's gross. But- the bigger question, though, why are they still afraid of Holcomb? This is a guy that's not going to have a job in a couple of years. He can't run again. He's term limited out. Last time I checked, the polling shows he would get his ass handed to him in a House race, his ass handed to him in a Senate race. I don't even know if he's interested in running. Yeah, but that's a cabal hammer. Like, look at what happened to John Jacob and Kurt Nicely, the two guys who, when you go against Holcomb, you're going against an idea, right? A group of people. And look at what they did. They spent a million dollars in the primary to get rid of those guys. The These Republicans know they're super safe. They just care about being in office. And as long as they don't agitate the governor or by default the governor's people, they'll be fine. John Jacob and Kurt nicely learned if you speak up, they will spend spend way more money to get rid of you in a Republican primary than they will to elect a Republican in the fall. It just floors me that we have probably the best sports betting bill in the country, in Indiana. We finally legalized Sunday sales. It's wrong, but they still legalized it. Like, they screwed up the hours and, all right, fine. They're so picky about the vices you can have. And with medicinal marijuana, I'm not even talking recreational, medicinal, they're still afraid to legalize it, despite the fact all of our neighbors have, basically. Things get legalized if the right people want it. That's what everything that happens in Indiana. The right people wanted sports betting, so they wrote a great bill. The right people didn't want full-out Sunday sales, so you didn't get it. You got a ridiculous like, what, you turn into a pumpkin at 801 or you know, 1159? <laughs> I mean, it, it, this is the way it works. Donors and lobbyists control that state house. Last thing before we let you go here, 
Beach Grove Police Department has renewed yeah! with On Patrol Live. Yeah! Uh, another 90 episodes have been promised by Reels to On Patrol Live. This is a program that's near and dear to our hearts. Yeah, we've got to, as the biggest On Patrol Live fans out there, we've got to get a ride-along on one of these sometimes so that we can be on TV and say hello to Sean Sticks Larkin and Dan Abrams. Officer Rinks, if you're listening to this program right now, you know where to find me. I'm around Beach Grove. We are the biggest fans of this show. We want to ride along with On Patrol Live. Is there any greater jolt to you at 11.50 on a Saturday night? You may be three sheets to the wind when you hear Dan Abrams say, let's go to Beach Grove where there's an incident at the Walmart. <laughs> there's a lewd nude dude in the news at the Walmart. He's off the rails. He's Rob Kendall. Thank you, as always, to Garage Doors of Indianapolis for sponsoring our segment. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.